Welcome to Six Pack Discussions, where Cody and Jared take on the biggest, most talked about headlines with logic, passion, and a six pack of beer. If you're listening, we challenge you to take an unbiased view of the world, because we know these conversations are complicated. So sit down, crack a beer, and welcome a new perspective. Okay, guys, coming in with a hot new episode uh, with Cody and Jared, Six Pack Discussions. What are we talking about today, Jared? We're going to be talking about illegal immigration. We've all been seeing it in the news a little bit, maybe not as much and recent, but uh, you know, it's been pretty hot hot for the last uh, four months. I would have said it was a hot button for all of 2021. Yeah, but we... Probably have, like under COVID, that was probably the most... I feel like I haven't seen immigration in what, three, four weeks? It's cold right now. <laughs> yeah. It's cold. No one's wanting to move out of their house, but... So yeah, uh, Cody and I, we researched a few different two different topics, you know, surrounding the overarching principle and, yeah. and uh, crisis issue, whatever you want to call it, challenge yeah. around uh, immigration. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about immigration, but I think we're going to focus a little bit more on illegal immigration and yeah, kind yeah. of uh, in general. Yeah. Um, the beer we're drinking, we'll do a quick little uh, report here in a second, but we're, ta- we're drinking today Desert Desert Day Drinker uh, from Four Peaks. So we'll yep. give you guys a review in uh, 20 minutes or so. So illegal immigration, uh, I think the first thing we should start with is um, how many people, you know, how many immigrants are even in America? We have actually 40 million people that are born in a different country. So mm-hmm. 40 million immigrants yep. and they estimate about um what 12 million are, are, are illegal uh living here right now is that what you got yes about 12 and million i think 1.7 from 2021 alone yeah yeah so a, a huge influx in the last year now here's the cool thing um what i think is pretty neat america is extremely generous with our immigration i don't know if you read up on that but about a fifth of the entire world's migrants live here they, they've come here. I actually didn't come across that statistic. Interesting. We are the most immigrated to country by far. Like the next country is like... Probably somewhere in the EU, I'd say. Yeah. And, and, and the amount of people though is so minuscule. Ah, gotcha. Right? We're at 40 million right now that are living in the US. That's... What would you say? That's an eighth of our population? Mm, yeah. We got what? 350 million-ish? Yeah. 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 About an eighth. And so eighth of our population are from other countries. This is it, unheard of it, in And other you know countries. what's so cool though? That's... At, at, its, at our core, at America's core, that's what makes America, America. You know, yes. all these different, Diversity. the melting pot, if you will. Yeah. You know, and so I don't want to, I don't want this to ever, and actually I don't want to speak for you, but from my perspective and regardless of the opinions that I share in this podcast, I am all for immigration. I think 100%. whenever you get the diversity, the the different thought processes, the genders, the the backgrounds, yeah. the, the races, whatever you want to call it, I love whenever you get those types of people in the same room being able to stack hands with different ideas. I that, love it. That's, that's where real innovation starts to come from. And honestly, I think that's largely contributed to the superpower that we've, we've become. Yeah, I, right? think, I think diversity of thought comes from where you come from, right? Whether you're in a different country, different state, different city. Yeah. Everybody thinks a little bit differently because they were brought up with different values or different cultures. Seen like different that. things, different perspectives. Language. Different, yeah. How you think through language can come to a different conclusion, mm-hmm. even with the same intent almost, which is very odd. So, um, I'm all for immigration. Absolutely. America Absolutely. is amazing for it. Um, as, as clearly we've seen, I, I just kind of rattle off some stats there. The other thing I wanted to go through, um, and then we can get into maybe the more illegal stuff is refugees. So I think sometimes there's a little overlap there. And, and so what a refugee is, is somebody coming over into America. We have the largest refugee resettlement also in America. Um, we have 3 million refugees that have come to the U.S. Uh, seeking refuge from some type of tyrannical government, danger, things like that. Um, 30,000 of them just last year were, were resettled. Um, and this is by far more than any other country. I think I think we, we take in, I think, 60 to 70% I was seeing of the refugees across the world every year. Uh, so, again, we we do more than anybody else does. Like we are the best at immigration and we are the best at refugees Noted. by far, which is pretty interesting. Irrefutable. Yep. Yes, exactly. So I want to kind of set the stage there on a good note, I think, because now we're going to go down the illegal immigration path, which a lot of people think of negatively, uh, but there's some positives and negatives that we're going to go through a little bit, right? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what you want to maybe break down a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess I, I kind of hyper-focus, maybe not hyper-focus, but uh, a lot of my research had to do with uh, Arizona specific, just given oh, yeah. the majority of our listeners are obviously here in Arizona. Yeah. So um, I, I actually kind of tapped into a couple of different articles, uh, one where, uh, let's see, Representative uh, Andy Briggs okay. down there in uh, Southern Arizona. Yep. 
and uh, he is uh, the House Border Security Caucus. So okay. fairly, fairly, uh, fairly high up guy there, and he is actually fairly scared going in twenty twenty two. Maybe I'm I'm using misusing the word scared there. Um, concerned, yeah. reasonably concerned that we're going to be overrun at the border. Yeah. Um, heck, I mean, heck, every single time that he goes there, he just sees it's not even a big deal for people to just illegally cross, and it, it's it's alarming. You know, like I said, at one point we were hitting what two hundred thousand in the summer months. Twenty twenty one, we saw the biggest. It was like one point seven million, the largest spike in illegal immigration in, in recent history. One point seven million. Yeah. In one month? Or? No, 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 oh. over over 2021. Okay. I'm sorry, I misspoke there yeah. if, I, if I said in one month. Okay. Um, yeah, we saw upwards of over 200,000 in one month. Oh, my God. Yeah. So 200,000 people are coming across the southern border. And, and one thing that I think should be noted, I think a lot of people think that it's all from Mexico. No. It's untrue. No, 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 no. no. It's from uh, Haiti. It's from Guatemala. It's El Salvador. El Salvador, yeah. It's, um, Panama. A lot of different countries. And then it's actually weird of how many of them are actually coming from Asian countries. India and China apparently have a lot of people that go into Mexico specifically because it's easier to get in through the border that way. And, and you know where it's kind of alarming is where, where it's happening the most, at least, you know, in Arizona, it's, it's in the gaps of the wall. Oh. So it, it's really interesting how he described uh, – no, actually, I don't want to put that in um, in his mouth. I, I don't remember which article I was reading, dang it. But it's, it's essentially is whenever a, a highly elected official went down to one of the border towns where the wall was at one time being constructed – and the way they described it, it's as if the second that Biden said, hey, to halt and, you know, sign that to, to halt all construction of the wall, it's like every construction worker dropped their tool right then and there and left it and it hasn't been touched. It was a very deserted feel almost is what, how they described it. And uh, anyways, so that was kind of what the representative Briggs was saying. Biggs was saying was, hey, you know, this is this is a problem, you know, and what I never really understood is the the negative negative press surrounding the wall construction. I understand, you know, from an economic standpoint and yeah. and uh, just the architectural feat that that would be. I, I get that. But I'm talking about the actual physical construction. One of the better analogies I've, I've heard is, well, you, you lock your door whenever you go home every night, right? Yeah. So I, I never really understood why people were so angry and so passionate and anti- about the wall. Yeah, I think a lot of people believe that it stood for like racism. No, 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 no. I don't think so at all. No, no, I'm saying a lot of uh, of the not proponents of the wall, but the the disproponents, I guess, or the uh, antagonists. Antagonist, yeah, sure. yeah, the antagonists uh, of the wall. They they essentially believe that the wall was like a symbol of racism. Mm. I, I'm just throwing. You this. see, you think it was marketed wrong? Yeah, I think it was marketed wrong. All of the wall was is saying, "Hey, we have a process. Follow the process, and you can become an American." <clears throat> um. And, and the wall is there to ensure that no one was cutting the line, right? It's just like when you go to Six Flags, they have those little... Or, Speed or, passes. Well, well, <laughs> that's for cutting the line. I know. But like Six Flags or Disneyland or any any place that has lines, right? If you think of a movie theater, there's those little Q-rope lines. Mm-hmm. If somebody got out in front of you, they kind of went underneath that little rope and then like got the front of the line, I think everybody would be really upset that's been waiting in line for like an hour. Mm-hmm. Or years as far as becoming a, a legal immigrant. Exactly. And so um, imagine if the cue ropes there were not there. Those are essentially the wall so to kind of say, hey, guys, these people are waiting. You know why I think that's such an accurate analogy that you just used? Because you know who actually not – don't get me wrong. I, I know there are some very passionate Americans about this whole about this whole crisis, this problem with the illegal immigration. But you know who gets the most pissed? Immigrants. Legal immigrants. The ones that went through the process. Yes. Because they essentially had to get pushed back several times because we have, it slows down our, there are resources get, that are getting pushed into the illegal immigration process instead of going through the normal process. I don't want to, I don't want to um, dime anyone out or, or make anyone uncomfortable or share a story that they're not comfortable with. But Cody and I both know a coworker of ours. Uh, she's actually in a leadership role at our current company. Fantastic woman. Great story. But the, the short of it is you get her talking about illegal immigration, her blood freaking boils Boils. because she busted her ass. She did what she had to do. She, you know, she came here, got her PhD even legally, you know, she worked appropriately through the system. And now, like I said, she's thriving in a leadership role in our position, in our, in our company. And, um, fun story. I'll, if we ever do end up uh, opening up to guests, uh, we'll, we'll definitely bring her in. Yeah. that, That would be fun just to share the personal story. The, um, 
the true American patriotism that she's embodied. Um, it, it's pretty inspiring. No, 100%. Yeah. I think uh, immigrants get very upset about that. And I've met multiple them uh, over the years, and they all have the exact same thinking as, hey, guys, I went through the process. Yeah, it's not fun. No, it's not. But I'm leaving my old country because I don't believe in their values, and I'm moving to a new country. It kind of needs to be a little, like, challenging. Like, mm-hmm. it, can't be, it can't be easy. Like, no. Like, you're not – this – have you ever have you ever removed if, houses? That's if, hard to do. If, if everything's if something's easy, does does everyone want it? Exactly. Do you, do you become the number one? No, you you become number one because of how uh, flourishing an environment you have, and in order to keep the the flourishment, if that's a word, and in order to keep it thriving, you need some barriers. You, you need some barriers. You need to protect protect the values, protect the core of what it makes America America. Right. Yes. Like you can't have. A, there's a reason that when you come in, there's like a even like a little test. There's some little things yeah. saying, "Hey guys, we want." How are you sure. going to contribute? Exactly. How are you, you going to be a? Do you have a, a job here? Do you have a family here? There's easier pathways if you want a, a, a company to sponsor you, right? There's easier pathways if your family's going to sponsor because they know that you're not going to come here and start kind of sucking off our government. Exactly. They want there to be a, a backup plan because everybody falls on hard times. And, and remember, guys, I know this has been, uh, you know, basically same song, different different verse. But whenever you have an illegal immigrant that comes over here and sucks off the healthcare system, sucks off, you know, Social Security and things of that nature, or not maybe Social Security wouldn't apply, um, but just the government programs that they are allotted, you know, X amount of dollars per month, that is you paying it. Yep. That is you paying it. So 100%. Um, th- this is not just big, bad government. This is This is you contributing your dollars to them. Yeah, and I actually, um, a while back, I, I'm trying to recall exactly, maybe I shouldn't name, but um, I actually was talking to somebody that was an administrator at a hospital, and he was actually walking me through the process of how the emergency room works. And so by law, hospitals have to take anybody that goes through the emergency room. To get them in a stable state, I believe, is what they're obligated to do, correct? Exactly. So if somebody comes in with a 105-degree fever, uh-huh. if somebody comes in with a gunshot wound or a stab wound, if somebody comes in with a broken arm, basic stuff here, right? A lot of emergency rooms are actually clogged up with people that sometimes don't have insurance or a way to pay. But unfortunately, by law, you have to get them into a stable state, which means that they could be going through a, let's say, $10,000 um, stay at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Two days, stable state. Okay, we're great. Doctor's been with you for three, four hours. A lot of nurses have helped you out. IV bags. A lot of material. A lot of cost. Electricity. All these things. Let's say it's a $10,000 stay. Well, if that person really doesn't have a social security number, they really don't have any type of name that's on a government ID or anything like that, and they just leave, well, guess who's paying that $10,000 bill? The next person that comes in that has insurance, the next person that has cash in pocket. The next person that's complaining about the high cost of healthcare. Bingo. So when you have people that are unfortunately not registered or don't have a identification are illegal in some aspects... They're going to use that to their advantage. And it's not like it's good or bad, really. It's, it's just it's a problem of the system. The mm-hmm. system's set up to be abused, mm-hmm. right? It's not like that person's a bad person that's doing that. They're just like, hey, I broke my arm. I'm going to use the system as it has been built because I can take advantage of it, unfortunately. That's what happens with bad systems. They get taken advantage of. And, and I think that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today is the system of immigration is set up be kind of complicated and unfortunately people are skirting it and we're going to get into how they're doing because you've already mentioned the border which i think is probably the biggest way people skirt it mm-hmm. hey i'm close to the border i'm just going to walk across the river yeah <laughs> i'm going to jump in the truck bed exactly yeah i'm going to pay a coyote a thousand dollars that's frustrating the the black markets that this is enabled horrible perpetuated cartels even cartels own it yeah it's <laughs> bad news so um, what, what do you have as far as, far as you know, what, what would you kind of focus your research on? I mean, yeah, I know you so, kind of spewed a few facts there, but, or stats rather, but yeah. So a couple of things that I wanted to go into was we've, we've actually passed a lot of different laws in like the last 20 to 30 years around immigration. And it's kind of changed how, uh, the U S government, federal government really, uh, looks at it and immigration, just so everybody listening is kind of a, a federal level issue. I know States complain about it. Arizona does of course, and, and Texas, all the border States, um, Florida, which is interesting, right? Cause they have Cuba. 
uh, refugees that are coming a lot of times, but usually states that are next to another country that has an influx. So states don't really have a lot of control over it um, because uh, interstate commerce is more of a federal type issue and also dealing with other countries is more of a federal type issue. So our Congress at the federal level have passed a couple, couple of different laws over the years, like I said, 30, 40 years to deal with some issues. And the biggest one that I see um, as controversial and, and maybe not a good idea is the one that was in 1996. I think it's called IIRA, uh, I-I-R-A-I-R-A, it was called. And so Bill Clinton passed this, and it changed a lot of the rules on how people are, if they're already in America. So say they came here as a uh, agricultural uh, worker, and they came here for the summer or the winter to um, go out in a cornfield and work on a farm, and, and this happens quite often. Well, if they're here when this law passed, um, then they have to go back to their country for a period of time maybe 10 years before they can actually obtain a waiver to come back in. So there's a lot of really, 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 really odd rules that essentially incentivize people to stay here and never go back to their other country, their host country, their real country, or it also incentivizes them to never kind of deal with our immigration uh, system. So when I'm here and I, I repasses, well, I'm just going to stay here because if I go back to my other country, I have to go through this process of staying in my country for 10 years. So I'm just going to stay here now. Mm -hmm. So we saw in 19, after 1996, anybody that was a um, uh, migrant worker, which is about 50%, I didn't know this, about 50% of immigrants that were in the U.S. at that point in time were migrant, meaning they would leave every six, seven months and they go back to their other country and then they come back. Mm -hmm. So they're not really essentially citizens. I, I wouldn't consider them citizens nor trying to be citizens. They're just coming here for work because we need the extra workforce during that period of time. Yep. It's like a temp yeah. at a workplace. Yeah, that's a good, part, good way to it's put like it. It's like a yeah. temp. Like, hey, we're not relying on them, but like we need them during this period of time. Mm -hmm. um, and so this law made it very challenging from my understanding. And so I think most people point at this as kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back on our immigration system. Because what it do, did is essentially all those migrants that came in during the 90s stayed. And all of a sudden we saw our Im illegal immigrants go up from very small numbers, two, three million to 10 million. And we've been kind of steadily around that number now, 10, now 11, now 12 million people that are here illegal. Because once they come, they're like, no, nah, I'm going to kind of stay because of this IRA law, which is kind of interesting. I don't know if you read anything about that at I all. did not. No, I, I didn't come across the IRA law. Kind of weird, huh? Yeah. I, 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 I think it's I, actually. Yeah, yeah, kind of weird. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting. Bill Clinton passed it in 1996. Um, if anybody listening has any more information around that, or maybe they are, are better read on it, I would love to hear about it. So that's love a good that. one. I don't know if there's anything else uh, before we move into our second beer here. Oh, one other thing. I, I, we'll get into deportations and our opinions and see, hey, should we be deporting people um, that are here illegally? How do you do it the right way if they have family here? Things like that. Because mm. I think that gets a little sensitive. It, it gets real gray real quick, man. You yeah. can sound real heartless real quick with, uh, you know, drawing a line in the sand. 100%. But I do want to kind of set the stage here because this is interesting. Um, this is a study done by, I think, Sanford. Um, one of the professors started a, a paper on deportations and trying to kind of see if it mattered who was in charge. And so they looked at every single president over history and see how many deportations were done underneath their leadership. Okay. Because uh, Border Patrol, ICE, all of the um, federal agencies that have to do with immigrants are always under essentially their control. Mm -hmm. It's not like a state level thing or anything like that. It's mm -hmm. The president is owning that. Um, and so what they found, and I'll give you the recent presidents, and then I'll give you over the 100 years that they did the research, um, kind of give you guys a, uh, a nice little, um, I guess, standard. Uh, Bush uh, saw over his eight years as president, two million deportations. So two million people, um, ICE or the Border Patrol found them, hey, you are illegally here, you're using false documentation, you're faking using somebody else's social security Sorry, but you got to go back to your host country, and you can go through the legal process of becoming a U.S. citizen. So they deported him, mm -hmm. right? Two million. That was Bush. Uh, you want to take a guess on Obama? You think it was higher or lower than Bush? Uh, just because you're asking the question, I got to go higher. Much higher. Um, Three million. Wow. 50% higher. Yes. 
And then Trump, um, he was over only four years. Yeah. But if you double his number to say, you know, okay, four years, let's do eight years. Let's extrapolate that. Yep, which you could kind of do that. It's fair. It's reasonable. Yeah. But he did a little under 500,000 in his four years. Wow. So he's just under a million then. Exactly. So he actually did half as many as Bush. And he did a third as many as Obama deportations. So his administration was uh, really not aggressively going through deportations. Uh, I think a lot of times, and you're going to get into this more about the wall, his uh, policy was really, hey, let's prevent, let's stop the spigot from leaking. leaking. Mm-hmm. I get it. My, my, and I'm trying to use this as an analogy here, but my floor is already covered in water. Mm-hmm. I'd rather stop the flooding from happening than trying to mop up the flooding. And yep. so his idea was, let's build the wall. And then we'll figure out what to do with the water later on. And I'm saying the water is an illegal immigrants. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, and by no means are you trying to be insensitive here. It's no. Just, it's, it's just an analogy. Yeah, an analogy. Yeah. Like, hey, there's an influx of people coming in. That's the water into my house. And I'm just saying, like, hey, how do I stop it? Because I can't have an, an unlimited supply. That's what I'm trying to get to. So interesting to find out. The last little point I'll share is, is over the 100-year, or it's actually 110-year research, um, they found that overall, in 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 most, uh, I guess overall, Democrat presidents were more likely to do higher deportations. Uh, I think they found about twenty percent more in, during Democratic presidents than Republican presidents. Which I think a lot of people well, thought the opposite. Interesting data, yeah. I Over a hundred years. Unfortunately, as as recent history would suggest, I mean the certain media, certain yeah, I think outlet channels have, yeah. have, have, have painted. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just not. Maybe it's not Republicans. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, maybe it's just Donald Trump, but he got labeled as a racist very early on. Yeah. Good, bad, or indifferent. Well, Bush did too. I never really remember it this significant. Yeah, but he was definitely labeled as a racist as well. I yeah. think probably because he's from Texas. I don't know. But Thank you for that. Well, being, being from Dallas, that, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, what, that's probably what that was coming from. But anyways, in general, deportations happen uh, in a higher rate during Democratic presidents than Republican presidents. And I don't think it really matters if it's higher or lower, to be honest. You know, it's one of those things where it shouldn't matter because I don't – I elect a president not based off of the party. I, I elect a president based off the policies. Yeah. And in my world, the policies should align to what's best for America. Yeah. And there are very few, if any, scenarios where a mass influx in illegal immigration is truly good for America. No, no. Yeah, we should have you know an influx. We like we like having immigrants over here. Again, Docu- just documented. You contribute to the melting pot. Yep. You add different perspectives. You add different ideas. You help us get stronger. Yeah. As long as you do it right. Uh-huh. Okay, we just opened up our second yep. beer. So, uh, like Cody already introduced this. This is the Desert Day Drinker. I- Shame on me for not understanding this a little bit more. I just saw it in the stores for the first time like a couple weeks ago. And um, it really caught my eye, man. I thought it was a fun title, first of all. You know, obviously, uh, you know, I've ridden in Cody's Jeep a bunch of times and his Can-Am a few times. Um, so we're we're uh, we're all too familiar with day drinking in the desert. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. You know, this little triple yeah. D beer? Hell yeah. So um, just based off the name and the memories that is now associated with just desert day drinking with you, honestly, I am going to go a little higher. Okay. I, I do think this is a solid beer, um, th- but I got to be honest, I still got to stay true to my ranking. There is nothing special about this. And with that, I got to go 3.8. That's just because, high. Just because of the memories associated with yeah. Yeah. Honestly, um, it's a great beer to sip all day long. Yeah. I, I could uh, I could drink this beer all day long and be totally fine. I'm a big light beer. If I'm gonna drink, you know, let's say five, six beers yep. in a day while I'm out in the desert or I'm doing something that's outdoors, yep. I'm gonna drink a couple of beers. It's probably gonna be a light beer. Yeah. But I would actually opt in for this beer. This is a great beer that I would feel very satisfied with, and it actually does more taste than a normal light beer. Exactly. That's so that's why like I gave it a little. Yeah. yeah, it's like a great replacement. I'm but not but say truthfully it's, speaking, it, it's very similar because you're a Michelob Ultra guy, yeah, you know, yeah. to, to your core. There's nothing special about that beer. Well, other than that, it's a great beer. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're not getting paid for them. I know. Yeah. Um. No, Desert Day Drinker. I'm gonna give it probably a solid. I'm gonna go right with you. Three eight. Yeah. Because it's better than what I expected it would be. So, but honestly, fantastic branding, fantastic name. I mean, that's yeah. that's so Arizona, it hurts. It is so, great. And the from, four Peaks, cool, it's from Four Peaks Brewing, yeah. 3D's all kind of like intertwined, which is always cool. 
So love the beer. Highly recommend you guys get it. If you ever want to go out jeeping, hiking, whatever, throw a couple of those in your backpack. Yeah, that'd be cool. Kind of like a little celebration beer at the top of the hike. Hell yeah. yeah. You know, we did that with uh, with your brother, remember? Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, but at Picacho Peak. We did. We threw, I think he probably threw two beers a piece for us in well, there. That's classic chance. So yeah, exactly. He probably tried to get six in it on him. So <laughs> shout out there. Yep. Um, so let's get into some opinions here. So illegal immigration in general, I'm going to say I'm a big no on it. I, I think most countries are a big no on it. I think recently America's trying to kind of change how we think about it. it like somehow through the media, maybe uh, I think Biden has a little bit different policies well, on this again because you can seem such a heartless prick. I know it, it does seem like oh these people are in need. Let's help them out. I, I mean, I mean, let, let, let's let's think of it. So again, I'm not I'm not trying to you know show a political bias by any stretch of imagination. I'm just reciting facts here or facts that I know to be them. And yeah. I want you to correct me if I'm wrong because maybe you interpret it differently. But in 2019 and 2020, whenever Trump was in office, there were uh, I believe the word cages were used. Yeah. And then as soon as a new elected official came in, what was what was the coin term for for Biden? It was. Um, not camps, but it would have been like uh, centers, I believe. Yeah. What was the new term? Immigration terminal? centers. I was like, hold on, w- wait a minute. These are the same damn buildings with the same address, and now we're just changing the name? That's not right. And there was photos so, of them being still essentially like fences. I or, know. Like metal cages or, or glass Or heck, there were, there were photos from the Obama administration being used yeah. to... And the term cages is misleading in general. Wow, I don't like misleading. the word because all it is is just like a metal grate. Because it's a wall. Like, you got to build the wall out of something. And, and they have able, to be cheap. And you also have to be able to see through it for safety reasons. Yeah. Like, it has to be like a plexiglass or something, but you need to be able to talk through it. But you know when I really had a strong opinion and a strong problem with our immigration crisis? Is whenever I'm after having to show vaccination status to go into a restaurant in New Orleans, but I'm not having our potential immigrants, current illegal immigrants... Show vaccination status to come into our country. Well, yeah, you can't have you can't what ask in a, the hell you can't ask a non-citizen their vaccination status. Why the hell not? Well, that's just not how it works, Jared. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. Do, 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 I know. Do you do you agree with I, that I, practice? I, 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 you course, you have to ask me. I know you are. I'm I know, you're, I know you're trying to be you know being con, but it's one of those things where isn't that a little little loony? I had to prove my vaccination status at a restaurant to eat. But yeah. they don't have to provide vaccination status or hell, even a negative test at the slightest. Yeah, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? We are heck about to go with another spike in Omicron. Heck, I just had a a uh, client cancel on me today in in Texas of all places because of the spike. So obviously, yeah. we're still in the midst of this pandemic, but yet we're not really giving a damn about illegal immigrants. I mean, we're still having hundreds of thousands yep, come, come a day, border. yeah, and come, come across and. Border Patrol, they they apprehend them. Is that the right probably the right um, word? Apprehend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, apprehend anybody that's crossing the border illegally. This is somebody that we don't know who they are, right? This is not uh, a citizen. This is just like somebody speeding on the highway. Just to give you guys an idea, like this is somebody breaking the law. Like this is a, a sovereign country. You can't just come into here from some random country. So as they're walking across the border, we apprehend them. Border Patrol does. And, of course, they take him to one of these immigration centers. Catch and release. Yep. They hold them for a while. They ask him, hey, do you have identification? The answer is always no because they're kind of told you're not supposed to bring any identification because well, that would— That's best practice. What are you talking about? Exactly. If you don't bring identification, then you can have a refugee status perhaps. You can have some type of um, other asylum-seeking things. So great. Well, they're going to say, okay, you are a family. Okay, we're going to let you go. If you are a single male, they're going to take, they're going to send you back. That is, I think right now, that's the general rule. If you're a female, if you're a group, like a family, a family unit, a dad, a mom, and some kids, they're going to say, hey, you have a court date. We're not going to tell you when that date is, but release you on U.S. soil and good luck. Some of them you get plane tickets, I think, to uh, other towns. Yeah, it, the the verbiage that I was using is they will deport them, and I use that term, not deport. They will relocate, relocate them. Thank you. They will relocate them to an inner U.S. city. Exactly. So they'll take. That's really strange verbiage, is it not? It is very odd. So they'll move them into, say, let's say Kansas City. 
Missouri, right? So I'm in El Paso, Texas. I cross the border if I'm a legal immigrant. I get apprehended by a border patrol agent. I get taken to an immigration center for processing, which simply means after about a week or two, I get fed. I, I get a blanket. They make sure Roof that over your head. Yeah, yeah I, they make sure that I'm not an immediate threat if they can, because mm-hmm. I don't have any documentation. They have no idea who I am. Mm-hmm. My, I could say my name is Tom, right? And I'm from uh, Chile, and I've been walking three thousand miles. And yep. they pretty much say, "Okay, that's all, everything we know about you. We have no idea who you are." But as long as you don't match any descriptions or anything like that of anybody that is on their most wanted list, they're going to say, okay, we, you've passed all the tests. We're going to go ahead and have you um, relocated yep. to Kansas City. And also, you need to show up to the immigration office. Thank you. Bye. Okay. And that person, do you think they're going to show up to the immigration office? Hell no. I, I think that's the craziest thing that there is. This that's idea. a crazy expectation. I wouldn't show up. What? Like, I don't even want to show up to the DMV when I get a new photo on my ID. <laughs> like, and that's such a minuscule little thing. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to do that. So I, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, I, I know your talk track kind of applied to both children's and adults. However, I feel to really, you know, kind of hammer down and, and really kind of iron out the heartstring issue of this. What do you think about the, uh, the unaccompanied minors, the children? Yeah. So you have a, let's say, 15-year-old. Oh, I've seen a 15-month-old. I, I mean... Well, we, they have to be accompanied as they're 15. Dude, I, I, I... It was probably about six months ago. There, maybe it was a 24-month-old. It was, it was a two- or three-year-old. Walking by themselves? Walking by themselves. And, of so, course, you know, all the news sources, you know, made this huge hoopla over it. But what, what do you think about the unaccompanied minors? So, I think there might be a little bit of... I feel like it might... Let's say that's one... Do you think that's 1% of the problem? I don't want to try to fix something if it's 1% of the problem because if it's, I know we have to fix it, but I don't like to center entire discussions over 1% of the, let's say 200,000 people that are coming in yeah. and 20 people are in unaccompanied minors. Yeah. A majority of them are family units. Majority of them are males coming in. You, you know, how many of them are unaccompanied? If, if half of them are, if a quarter of them are, then okay, we'll center the discussion around I, that. I don't know if it's a quarter. I can't. I, I didn't come across that an actual percentage, and I don't know even know if a, an accurate one exists. I don't know if one percent. I I probably could I could maybe live at five. So let's say it's five percent. Yeah. So two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred thousand people are coming across the 10, border. Ten thousand people. Yeah. So ten thousand. Yeah. So ten thousand of them are unaccompanied minors from the ages of let's say three to fifteen. And that's a 16, month. A month. So I, a month. I have to figure out what to do with these people. I I have two options that are immediate and easy to do. I go like this. I turn that person around and I say, keep on walking the other direction. That's, that's literally one option. We'll go into our third beer if I agree with that or not. Okay. First, that's my second option. Second option is, is I take that person, I send it to one of my immigration centers because they're clearly five years old, should be walking in the middle of the desert. I'm going to take them to an immigration center and say, hey guys, um, where are your parents? I have to sit them down with a counselor, uh, an officer of some sort. And I have to essentially say, what's your name? Where'd you come from? What are your parents? Like, there's no easy solution here. And I think most Border Patrol agents know this, and they're actually trained to deal with these people. And they say, yeah, we're kind of like counselors for kids sometimes. We're not trained in this, but we have to deal with it, guys. Yeah. And I think it's a little abhorred whenever our media tries to say the Border Patrol agents are bad people. They're doing something that most people don't even think about ever wanting to do. Yep. They're doing stuff every single day. They're probably saints of how well they treat people that they have. It's such a thankless job too, especially in recent history. You are, you are helping people that have no connection to you. You're doing it because you're simply like, Hey, I want to help people. I want to make sure that we're not, you know, there are countries out there that go like this, turn around. Bye-bye. Believe me. If I was walk, if I walked into China from Russia's border, what do you think China's going to do with me? I don't think they're doing anything. And in, in recent news, China and Russia are becoming homies, but... Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're saying, man. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know what that, to do yeah. the unaccompanied minors. I think you got to process them. I think you send them to a center. You try to determine where their parents are. You you work with Mexican ofis- officials if they're from Mexico. You work with their country of origin, and you say, hey, guys, um, we have these minors, and you try to see what you can do with them with their host country because that's closer to home. The last thing you want to do with a five-year-old is... Take them and put them in a culture that is not even remotely close what they've been used to. 
Okay. I think that's crazy. So, right? so 10,000 a month. Maybe it's a little bit less than that because it's not 200,000 it every month. Okay. That we're, we're, I think we're it's doing way with less. Let's just call it for, for round numbers because it's 1.7 last year is a spike. So let's just call it 100,000. Let's call, let's call it 100000 on average per month. That's, that's reasonable. Just, I'm trying to do simple math here. Yeah. So 5%, let's call it 5,000 kids. Unaccompanied minors. Unaccompanied kids. minors per month. So that's 60,000 kids. A year. A year. You got to send them back to their host country. Is, you cannot do anything Yeah, else. yeah, but I, I agree with that. So that's almost option one then. It is. It, it's a... It, I'm, I'm just... How I said it when you say turn them around and say go that direction, that was me kind of using hyperbole here. I know guys. you were. I'm saying, hey, guys, we're going to get you all processed. We're going to get you food. We're going to get you water. Like, we're going to be America because we are America. We're going to be good good people. Like, that's what we are as a country. We're going to get you fed. We're going to get you water. We're going to try to help you out, get back to your parents because clearly this is a weird situation. Do, do you know what a, a difficult task that must be with 60000 per year? I'm blown away that that number even exists. Like, it, you're going conservative with 5%. It may be less than that, but let's just say it's even 1%. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still 10,000 kids. Yeah. What do you do with 10,000 kids that are just like randomly roaming? But what's crazy is it's not just 10,000 at once. It's it's continual. I don't know how you keep track of 10,000 anything, much less people. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. Even if it's 1%. I'll, I'll go low on the 1%. But think about it from a logistics. That's why. Honestly, I know it was for hyperbole effect. But in order to show, hey, oh, America is actually. They're actually cutting down on this. I almost feel like it needs to be one. I know it's heartless. I know you sound like an asshole. And I'm sounding like it right now. But it's one of those things where if you're just if you're just going to live in the gray, you're going to continue to have a problem. But as soon as you actually start sending people back, yeah, it's like, oh, oh wow, they, they weren't kidding. I, I, know, I know the administration is saying, hey, stay in Mexico. Hey, don't come. You know, everything. That was just talking. Now they're actually putting action. Yeah. So... I know it sounds horrible and, and I'm cringing as I'm saying this, but there is such an over, I mean, that, that, uh, that bridge in, was it El Paso or yes. Del Rio? Yeah. Del I, Rio. I can't, it was in Del Rio. That bridge. Oh my gosh. It was like a damn city. Yes. You know, it was like New York city in Del Rio underneath the bridge. Yes. It's so densely populated. It was, it was disgusting. Yes. There were, there were women giving birth. Yes. Guys, we we have a huge, huge freaking problem, and and I think a lot of I don't know our listeners, anybody in general in America, and, and everybody that has a heart or wants to essentially say, yeah, we want to be better and we want to accept these people because they're in a, a bad situation. Think about it, in, and you guys are probably understanding that I'm an analogy guy. Jared knows this. Oh, I, yeah. I think. Give me your car analogy. No, I oh, got whoa. I got a house analogy. Okay, here. <laughs> it's close, but. All I think about is, is how it, how close can I bring it to things that I do every single day? And for our listeners, these are things that should be close to you. Like I, that's why I like using analogies because I that's how I think. I think about things so that they're easier for me. But if I were, let's just say, an analogy for how illegal immigration works, and let's say I'm like, you know what? Why is it a problem? Like I'm one of the people on the side that's kind of against us. I think right now at this point, yep. based on where we're at. Why is it a problem, guys? Let, let them through. They'll, they'll become part of American society and all of those things. Well, we went through medical cost. We went through, you know, there's only so Lack of things. tax revenue. Exactly. There's some, there's some definitely cost. It, it's very similar to you living right here in this house that we're right now, you know, recording uh-huh. in. And you saying, hey, I'm all for it. And, and you essentially tell the people that are coming across the border that you can go into your neighbor's house. No problem. Go into your neighbor's house. Yep. They'll take care of you. They're going to have some food. Yep. His name's Chris. He'll yep. take real good care of you. Exactly. Chris yep. is going to be able to take care of you. Um, and we get it. You're going to go get a job and you're going to be able to be self-sufficient. But Chris is going to be the guy to do it for uh, you know a year or uh, six months to get you back on your feet. Well, with a six-year-old, that's actually 12 years that you're signing up for, Chris. And so you're essentially, if you're a proponent for this, you're essentially volunteering somebody else like Chris, your next door neighbor, to do it. Unless you actually physically are taking these people in or if you're paying an amount of money, which I don't know what the amount, let's just say $10,000 that that pays for someone's food, water, shelter for a whole year. That's reasonable. Right? Let's say $10,000 is kind of like the amount, unless you're paying that much in like a 
charity or you're doing it yourself, I don't know if you should be raising your hand and saying that's okay. That's where I kind of draw the line is like, unless you're actually doing something to take these people in to help them out, you're essentially volunteering other people to do it that may not actually be volunteering themselves. Like border patrol agents, these people that are helping out the uh, those camps. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're spot on, and I'm not as much of an analogy guy. I just try to break it down in its most you know simplest form. And yeah. on, I, I think you were actually in this class. It was, uh, I believe, it was Miss Rosanico's tenth grade economics class, eleventh grade economics class, and the first Shout lesson. Out. Shout out there! Oh yeah, first lesson is is very blunt. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Oh my gosh! Yes, someone has to pay for that. Yes. Bread. Someone has to pay for the meat. Someone has to pay for the cheese. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Whether it's me having to drive, whether it's me having to take a bus, there is no such thing as a free lunch. Yes. And whenever you're an illegal immigrant and come and, and you know, sometimes they do take, the, admittedly, the jobs that a lot of people, especially yeah. in today's market, don't want to take, are not taking. So I understand. But you can apply for and, a work visa. For and, like and, that. and that's exactly. And that's often the case to where like, oh, well, they're taking the jobs Americans don't want. Well, unfortunately, that's never been more true, which that's a whole different podcast, whole different issue. But right now, there are so many other options like you just alluded to with the work visa that, hey, you actually can kind of take care of take care of America, actually contribute to America a little bit more and become a contributing member to the point where, hey, now I'm all for you. Because whenever you're actually going to contribute to your lunch, contribute to maybe it's just a piece of lettuce. Maybe it's just a little piece of cheese. Whatever. Do your part and then I can get on board with it. But just you coming in here, getting tax-free revenue, living under likely government-subsidized housing in some facet, that's when I start to have a problem. No, 100%. And it's funny. Uh, one of my brothers, they work with a lot of people that um, – uh, he, he works with a lot of people that came through the legal process. Right, so they went through the legal process, and they have a big problem. Exactly what you're saying. They're like, "Hey, I'm paying my taxes, and I know a portion of that is going to support this issue that's down at the border." Yep. And to your point, it's like, uh, why? Why am I having to support all these border patrol agents? Why am I having to support all the food? Why am I having to support? relocating these children down to their you know host countries why am i having to support those things as somebody that went through the process legally he, he they complain about it all the time because they're from some mexico or el salvador or guatemala well you know what's even more frustrating is uh, i, I want to speak in generalities because i don't want to you know incriminate anyone but let's say uh you're uh, someone like your brother who's yeah. in the construction industry and that is a widely um, accepted known fact that there are a lot of undocumented illegal yes. immigrants in yes. the construction industry because people just don't want to do How a job. pissed off are you at person X who's doing it right with the work visa paying taxes etc person Y did it the wrong way still got the same job getting paid under the table oh yeah they're oh. both making $100 a day whatever it may be $100 a day mm -hmm. One is only taking home $80 of that to his family or sending it back home or whatever. Yeah. One is taking home an entire hundred. Well, that's yeah. not fair. Now all you're doing is perpetuating, and now you're making that honest person, person A, hold on, what the hell? I did it the right way, and now I'm making less money? Because the whole reason why we work mm -hmm. is to provide for ourselves and our families, right? Yeah. Whole freaking reason. Yep. There's no other reason you can ever say you work. And you're actually taking away person A's earning potential by him doing it the right way, by accepting and by, honestly, let's call it what it is, enabling enticing person B. Almost, yeah. Enticing, thank you. Yeah. No, no, it's funny. Chance was actually saying that there's a lot of job opportunities for him to work in that, in that manner. And he's, you know, we're U.S. born, of course. Right. But, you know, we have Mexican heritage, both of us, right? Because from the same parents, of course, <laughs> but, but, um, he says that he has a lot of opportunities to do those jobs all the time that are what he says, wink, wink, cash jobs, yeah. right? Like, Hey, we understand this is how it works and we're all right. We're just doing cash and you don't have to pay, you know, your normal taxes if you don't want to. And he's like, this is the craziest thing ever. Now to your point, it could make a person that gets in a bind that has a car crash, mm -hmm. that maybe has a recent pregnancy. Yep. Any, these are normal occurrences. Uh, yeah, the, these are not the one-offs. No, these are day-to-day -day things that everybody goes through. And as soon as one of those occurrences happen, that job offer sounds really good because you just made a 20% raise. And, and, and by what Cody means by a 20% raise is the lack of paying taxes. Yeah, you don't pay your taxes. 
right? For somebody that's making a good amount of money in construction jobs, which are good paying jobs. And all of a sudden you don't have to pay your taxes. Well, why would I ever want to do that ever again? I get that little extra cash. I'm like, wow, this is actually kind of nice. So you're to your point. I love that you're kind of connecting the dots there and stating that, Hey, you're, you're making a good person see a bad person make more money and you're now enticing them to become a bad person. Yeah. You're incentivizing them to. Exactly. The, the road leads to a bad situation for a good person. And so how do you do that? Well, you have to stop the influx. You got to make people responsible. You have to make sure that it, the reason it's called illegal immigration is because it is against the law. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So do we change the law, Jared? Because I was wondering, I was kind of thinking through this process. Could you change the law and just say, hey, you know what? We're all right with immigration, whether it's through our normal process or not. Could you get rid of illegal immigration by just saying, nope, all immigration just is legal. Open borders, just essentially lose our sovereignty? That's exactly where I didn't know it went there, but that's exactly where you drop off. You don't, you're not a country anymore. I, I say, I mean, okay, well, why even have, why even call the USA then? You don't have a passport. You don't need a passport. Why the hell? Yeah. You don't need uh, ports. And people are like, well, and I, I didn't know it went there. I, I kind of went down that rabbit hole of like, why do we even have like the reason to have immigration? Well, duh, you need a, you need a country, yeah. you need yeah. a border. Yeah. And if you don't have a country and a border, you essentially become the USA of everywhere. You become the world. Exactly. Everywhere yeah. can go in and Earth. out. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You a border or a country means that you have borders and a sovereign land. Like this land means USA. This land means Canada. Yeah. I mean, that's almost some you can't do that. utopian type. Everyone loves everyone yeah. and there's no so you can't do famine. That. Let's just yeah. agree. It's not possible. So the yeah. next rule is we just have to be able to have immigration in the right way, I think, right? So the short answer is yes, but the long answer, and I don't even know if we can reasonably conceive, what is the right way? Yeah. So you know what I mean? I mean, because it takes years. It, it could take someone a decade mm -hmm. to become a legal citizen. Yeah. So I went. I kind of went down that rabbit hole of options. So my understanding is, and I didn't know how many Americans become citizens every year. It's actually a lot. You, you have an idea? No, I don't. And I don't know our listeners. You guys can shout this out right now in your cars or wherever you're listening. Comment. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but right now, every year, we take in about a hundred, or sorry, not a hundred, a million. A million people become U.S. citizens every year. I didn't realize there's that many. That's a lot. That's a lot of people, right? So we are the, we are the highest level of naturalizing um, per capita. I think it's actually it, it, in total as well. But we, we naturalize more people to become Americans than any other country. So we are actually very generous with be saying, hey, you know what? If you want to become an American, we, we're, we're on board. Become an American. Just follow these rules. Here's our laws. Here we go. So we do about a million a year. Um, I might be slightly off there, but that's what I kind of read. Um, okay. It's kind of weird. It's, it, that seems a lot. It is. Are you sure you're not miscounting zeros? No. 900,000, a million. A million. Wow. About okay. a million. So... Um, now, here's the weird thing. There, I might be combining the people that get naturalized as U.S. citizen versus and permanent residents. Okay. So permanent residents means that you can stay here forever. You're just not considered a U.S. citizen. To where a citizen you can vote. Exactly. So that's the only difference. I might be combining those two, but I'm pretty sure naturalized U.S. citizens a million a year. Okay. And most of those people have already been here for 10 years, and they finally just say, okay, I'm going to pa go pass the 30-question test. I'm going to become a naturalized U.S. citizen because I've been here. I've worked here. I've contributed. I've been a permanent resident. Now I'm going to become naturalized. So most of those people have already been here. Mm -hmm. It's not like people coming in from another country and saying, okay, I'm going to start this process. It's like, I've already started the process. Yep. So that's why we have like a backlog. And so it's just a million a year. We pretty much ramp out. So to your point is how do we make it easier so that we don't have all this illegal portion? You have to stop the flow. I think first, I think to your point, like I think making sure that nobody is coming in here illegally is number, number one. I don't know if you agree there. Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay, so you stop the flow. You you get your 200,000 people coming in a month down to 5,000. Because I get it. We can manage five. Yeah, five. I, I get it. You're always going to have some leaks in the system. Of course. It's right? never going to be a perfect system. Yeah. The, the, the wall, if you will. Yeah. I wish we could rebrand it. But the wall, let's call it what it is. It's not going to fix everything because no. last time I checked, ladders are still a thing. Tunnels are still a thing. You yeah. are still going to have it. It's a but I'm sorry, whenever 
you know, pretty highly elected officials are saying they're coming through the gaps in the wall that was no longer constructed. They're not going over the wall because it's harder. Like it's a deterrent. Yeah, it's, it's a deterrent. It's a barrier. Exactly. And, and just like probably some of our listeners, you may live in a gated community. There's a reason you live in that gated community. No, 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 no. Let, let's make it more widespread. Oh, you're locked. You door. lock your front door. You <laughs> close your garage door. Yeah. Until I'm, I'm sorry, I will not accept that's any true. negative backlash on the opinion until you leave your door. I open. can willingly walk in anytime I freaking please to your house. Yeah. And I can treat it as my house without a lock, without a key, without a garage code. Then I'm sorry, you you may be reluctantly agreeing with us, but you're agreeing with us. Yeah. Until you until you remove your lock. Yeah. Hell, true. actually, no, 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 no. Why am I even saying door? No, until you remove the walls of your freaking house. Yeah. The walls are like a border to your house. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like how I use the fence and everything like that. That's like an extra wall for all the really, really wealthy people out there that have like an extra protection wall. Like most of these people that are probably, you know, in our know. politicians, yeah. right? they probably have like a layer beyond all of us normal people with walls. They have, I feel like a six foot or eight foot wall. A legitimate gate. Yes. Because they don't want people coming close to their house. And they're criticizing wanting yes. to create a gate or a wall to the greatest country in the world. Exactly. So let's say this wall, that's, that's option. Let's just say that's kind of step one. If we can kind of stop the flow, which I kind of used the, the water analogy earlier, maybe it was bad or good, but stop the flow of people coming in illegally and say, Hey guys, stay in your country. We totally want you to come here. Here's the process. Now what's that process and how many people do we do a year? That's where I think there's a little bit of gray area right now. It's a little complicated how long it takes. Do you need a work visa? Do you want a student visa? Because we give out a lot of these visas pretty easily, from my understanding. I went to ASU. I think they have the highest rate of student visas. Well, of- what about our company with work visas? Exactly. So it's actually fairly simple to get um, visas if you want to go through that. Now, here's a weird one. If you don't have a trade that we need, you need to have <clears throat> some type of reason that you're going to contribute. Just out of curiosity... Hold on, before I ask, I want to make sure I'm not going to ask him like, oh, you dumbass, you should have known that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I can ask this. Outside of professional athletes with their just freak, God-given, born athleticism, yeah. size, height, etc., is there any trade in this world that can't be learned? You know, it's funny. I even say the word trade. I don't think there's any field. Skill. Exactly. Is there any skill that like can't be learned? Electrical engineering? I'm, I'm sorry. With YouTube, like, uh, dude, I have a PhD in freaking Google and YouTube, man. I can learn, and you've seen me learn a yeah. lot of stuff. Um, I think a lot of things are learnable. <clears throat> Super accessible. So you're right. So, so that's what I'm not saying. I'm not getting the cop out like, oh, well, we do require certain skill sets or certain trades to be learned. Okay, well, freaking learn it. These are the requirements. Hey, we need software developers. Hey, we need um, construction workers. Hey, we need um, TV installers, whatever it may be. And it's, it's, learn it's, the trade. And what's interesting, a lot of countries actually have quotas on these things. They say, hey, guys, we want X amount of software developers every single year. Some countries, uh, I went to an island down in the Caribbean one time, and they do not allow you to become a citizen unless you have a job in another country that is already providing you with an income of over $100,000 a year in U.S. dollars, not their, not their dollar. Right. Right? You cannot come, and you have to keep that job. You can't move. You cannot become a citizen. Right. So they are saying, hey, you need to have that job. You need to move. Then you can move here and become a citizen. After five years of keeping that job, then you can become a citizen because we want your $500,000 spent here. Isn't that cool? $100,000 a year. So there are countries out there. Canada is one of these places. A lot of people think Canada is open borders, easy to get into. No, they have very strict reasons on if you want to move there, they're like, okay, well, what do you have an education? Are you going to contribute? How are you going to contribute to us? Bingo. Honestly, the way I look at the immigration process, and maybe this is an oversimplification, it's an interview. It kind of is. It's like, it's like, hey, show I, me your I resume. I equate it to an interview. It's like your resume. What are you going to do for me? Yeah. Because every interview that you've ever walked into, you've had to answer in some way, shape, or form. How are you going to make money for me? So, you know, a lot of people have always fought, uh, some people, I shouldn't say a lot. Some people have fought for a merit-based immigration policy. Not a quota, because right now we have a quota, about a million people a year, right? Okay. That's, I think, the number. Let's just okay. say that's the number. 
So our, right now we have a quota-based system, and we say um, we're going to allow in a million people a year X amount from each country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if your country is larger, you get more people. So if you're like China, you can allow more people. If you're India, more people. Mexico, more people. Um, we do it based on that, a quota-based system. A lot of people, uh, some people I should say again, uh, have, have, have argued for a merit-based system where they say, hey, we don't care where you're coming from, and we don't care how many people. We just want you to come if you have a good resume. Well, what do you think about that? I don't know what the uh, how to sway making it from some to a lot, but I want to contribute to the sway, <laughs> and I want to take it from some to a lot. Right? I don't know how that doesn't make sense. Like, because, okay. again, this is not a Republican-Democrat issue or an independent issue. This is an American issue. So, what is going to be best for America? Yeah. So here's a weird one, and I'm going to push back a little bit because I, I have thoughts on both sides of this story. I, I'm going to say that I'm part of the sum and a lot in some cases. But I also think, okay, I do want you to come here if you are going to be a fantastic innova- uh, innovator of drugs. You're going to create the next five top cancer drugs in America. Okay. I want you here. Hell yeah. But did I just take you away from a country... That could have created more jobs and made them a little bit more stable and honestly not even contributed to the immigration issue as itself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a weird one, right? That's complicated because now I... Take, it is, but I'm selfish and I want America to continue to thrive. But, 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 and I get it and then you contribute to the immigration process because now we're even that much more. It's a power separation. Is that where you're going down? Kind of. I was thinking, well, here's the problem. That other country now becomes possibly a threat down the line. Um, a threat because now they're unstable. They don't have all their innovators. They don't have all their leaders because we've been essentially incentivizing them to always come here. So if you take a country that, let's just say 10% of their, their let's just say 20, because of the 80-20 rule, 20% of a country has leaders that are ready to go. They're going to become the next future of that country. They're going to yep. be the visionaries. Yep. And we essentially say, yeah, guys, if you guys have a good enough resume, come here. We just took their, the cream of the crop from a brand new country or a country that's finally starting to develop, and we said, come here. Of course they're going to take that, right? Smart people are going to take the road that has the most potential unless they really love their country. Mm -hmm. So now that country becomes erratic. They become a little bit like, okay, we don't have leadership. We don't have our uh, innovators anymore. And, And they now will probably be a problem for America in the future. Kind of a weird kind of think process there. What do you think about that? <clears throat> you know that I know right no that is that is pretty puzzling man and um, so I think it might be a combination of merit and quota so we don't overkill either one of them like hey guys we're gonna prioritize by merit but we're also not gonna take everybody that's amazing from you so is that doing the best for America I know it's weird I, I think so I, you have to you have to figure out where's your line in the sand then well I think you know I know this briefs well yeah but if you're if you're you know, King Cody, yeah. you know, screw our democracy. We're going to a monarchy tomorrow. You're King Cody. How, how do you exactly execute that in the law? Well, no, I, I actually think it is good for America because it's good for the other country that we now don't have to have a problem with in the future. So let's just say it's Mexico, right? Okay. A lot of that illegal immigration policy is around Mexico. Let's say we do a merit-based policy with Mexico and we say, hey guys, we want the cream of the crop. If you guys are, are one of your leaders, entrepreneurs, you show us a resume, we're going to go ahead and say, yep, green stamp, you're now a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, if we do that to Mexico, who now t- owns Mexico? Who already kind of owns it? Who cartel. Bingo. Now, yeah. who really owns it? Cartel. Well, that's a big problem, and it's going to become a bigger problem. So I see that is not just a problem for Mexico, but a problem for us. So... You're right. It sounds short term. It's probably good for us, but long term, it could be a problem for everybody. What do you think about that? I, I get that, but it also can become a threat, regardless. So, say you know, like nuclear engineers, for example, not for you know for nuclear power, but for actually nuclear bombs. Yeah, you want every one of them. Wouldn't it be kind of cool to have every one of them? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying. I know that I know that's a utopian and it's not going to happen. But you see what I'm saying, like. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in this thought process, but because like of how black and white these laws have to be, so I'm trying to put, put myself in Biden's shoes, uh-huh. right? And I'm assuming I have you know all the necessary approvals and authority and everything at this moment. But I'm trying to put myself in Biden's shoes, and if I have to create a policy 
Would I rather the random and maybe one out of every hundred or would I rather the, uh, the quota base or would I rather the merit base and now I maybe get 15 or 20 out of every hundred that are going to be solid contributors? Yeah. I understand. And you make a valid point and I'm not going to lie. It stumped me. It puzzled me. I know. But if I'm being honest, I want to do what's best for America, not the world. What if you have that person? Because there's a lot of people out there. Their resume may not look good. Let's just be honest. Yep. But their happens all the freaking time. Yep. Their resume doesn't look good. But you sit down with them and you're like, man, this guy is a cultural fit. Or this gal is going to kill it in the role. Now remember, <laughs> this is millions of people. We cannot interview all these people. We're gonna be going through resumes and not and, gonna happen. Yeah. Exactly. So we're gonna miss out on a lot of people that are probably killers, fantastic people. Because we're just doing it based on education, years of experience, right? Things like that. What do you think about that? So that might we, be an issue too. What if we make the rules known to where we kind of take out the ambiguity? Hey, you need a college degree. Hey, you need to specialize in this, this degree. It needs to be STEM, whatever maybe. What if we actually public... Where, some co- com- countries do this. Okay. They say we need so many electrical engineers every year. Cool. If you make the standards known, and let's say you make them high. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Make them known... Now we kind of create barriers in and of itself, not the physical wall barriers, but almost um, uh, education barriers, educational barriers, barriers, experience barriers. Thank you. As long as you make the standards known, hey, this is what it's going to take to get an actual interview. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's the best method because honestly, I think what I just introduced is the black market. Hey, I'll sell you a, a degree for 10 grand. That's basically what America is, but it's now 100 grand. Yeah. But I don't know. I think if you publish the barriers or publish the requirements, call them what they are, requirements. You at least get you get you get a smaller stack of resumes. You weed out the weak. You weed out the people that aren't even willing to go to the black market. I guess you know. Um, no, but obviously I don't want that. I'm not encouraging the black market. No. But you at least. Oh shit! It's not as easy as crossing the Rio Grande. It's not as easy as jumping to the bed of a truck. No, I, I hear you. I, I'm hearing you on this. Where, where, where are you at on that? I mean, I I know it's one of those things where. I don't know if there's a perfect solution, but I think we're close. I, I think we almost need to do, um, you know, stop with the catch and release. I, I think. No, no, definitely. We need to stop with. And you, I think we need to start turning them around. No, 100%. We need, to, we need to stop the faucet from running, right? We need to make sure, hey, guys, we're not a country you can just walk into. But here's the, the I think, to what we were trying to get to this last 20 minutes because it's hard. This is it, the gray area. This is not easy. There's no. a reason why it's such a politicize uh, exactly because it's hard issue yeah like why can you you're gonna always gonna be able to point fingers this is an issue you can always point fingers so hey first thing stop the inflow of illegal immigrants into the country and say hey guys we're, we're not a country that you can just walk into we have rules here we have laws first law you gotta be a citizen to walk into the country randomly like mm-hmm. we're americans you guys are el salvadorian you guys are from chile wherever you are guess mm-hmm. what stay there Here's our process. Mm-hmm. Now that process, to your point, it sounds like, and I think I'm. That's why I brought it up. I am semi-agreeing. It should be somewhat merit-based, but I also see extreme potential for bringing in people. Let's say merit-based gets us only people from India all of a sudden. I know, right? And and, and then you lose the melting pot of that. Bingo. Yeah. And so I think there is some type of combination where we say, "Hey guys, we we're going to stick with a million. We like the million number. It's right where we've been growing really well." We don't care. We'll bump it up million one this year and going forward, whatever that number is. I don't know what that Keep number is. inflation. I like it. Yeah. Million <laughs> one. We'll do a million one immigrants this year. We're going to bump it up. A hundred thousand more people are going to come into this country for the legal way. Now, we're going to look through resumes. And just like the colleges do, they also look at cultural backgrounds to see if that can help out. Now, I don't want affirmative action type I, plans I, I here. I thought you were going there. I was really I nervous. I don't want that though either. But what I do want to know is, hey, I can't have a million and one people come from a certain province in China because they're really good at creating fake degrees and getting everybody into their construction experience, wink, wink. Because mm-hmm. that will exactly what will happen. You'll get a bunch of black market. You create stuff. stupid rules. You make bingo honest people. Dishonest. So you need some type of kind of like level set. Hey guys, we're also going to make sure that we bring in so many people from sub-Saharan Africa, 
some way to make sure, because we know that people that come from there are really good and they're Nigerians are one of the best entrepreneurs America has. Nigerians mm-hmm. come in and they kill it. So we're going to make sure not, not because Nigerians are great at making resumes, but because they're great at coming into America and they build a taxi business from the ground up within months of coming into U.S. Mm-hmm. We just know that people coming from this country are really good for U.S. GDP, to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be kind of, and here's the weird thing is, there still has to be a fine line. How many do you do? I don't know. I, I, do you base it on how many people are the population of that country? Maybe. Maybe you just do that and say, hey, guys, you have a million people in that country. We're going to say no more than 0.1% can come from that country per year. I, I was thinking 0.5 in my head, but 0.1? Yeah, whatever that number okay. is. So 300,000? Yeah. No more. Is that 300,000? If, if we're 300 million, I think 0.1%. Oh, shit. Some mathematicians. Well, no. Not. I meant uh, from like, say, Nigeria has a million people. Oh. 0.1 can come from Nigeria. No more than that. Interesting. So you say, hey, guess what? Yes, it's merit-based. Now, it feels a little affirmative action-y, to be honest. It, it is. It is. Yeah, that's um, And we'll, we should probably do a whole episode on affirmative action, to be honest, because people are listening to what we think there. Yeah, write that down. Um, but let's let's get this thing closed up. I think illegal, uh, illegal immigration is challenging, but it shouldn't be as politicized as it is in the news. Well, as it was with most things. Yeah. It, it, uh, guys, it, hopefully, I think this is what, episode 24, 25 by now? Yeah. Hopefully what you've gathered, if you've listened to only one or two, hopefully what you understand is Cody and I are not trying to preach the Democrat agenda, are not trying to preach the Republican agenda, but more so just trying to illustrate the points that both sides are making. And these are not easy issues. Honestly, whenever we set out to make this podcast, we had one goal, and that's just to get the other side talking to the other. There's no need for a friendship to end or a family relationship to end over differences of opinion about politics. No. The end result is just my family, your family, our community, our state, our company, or, or not our company, but our uh, government being successful. Like I, I don't think anybody wants to see failure anywhere along that line. So we're all about making sure that, hey, the route there may be different, but the end result probably is... I think the same. Like everyone wants the same result at the end of the day. Yeah. We want something better for our children, something better for our grandchildren. We want we want to make sure that we live in a better country than it was yesterday. So Absolutely. I'm ready to sign off. You good? Guys, uh, thanks for listening. As always, please give us a follow at Six Pack Discussions. Um, as, as we've been saying, Cody and I love interacting with our with our listeners. Um, highly invite any and all opinions as you know, if you have different topics that we want to cover, um, guests. Welcome and all. Thank you all for listening. See you guys.